This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. The most memorable interviews and listener calls from the week that was on Fight Back with Libby Snymer. Welcome to the best of Fight Back with Jane Brown. Good afternoon and welcome to the Sunday edition of the best of Fight Back. More of what you want to hear from the week that was. The flu campaign is officially underway in Toronto after it first became available last weekend at the Zoomer Show. That's where Zoomer Media founder Moses Neimer and Ontario Seniors Minister Raymond Cho got the high-dose flu shot. Are you going to administer the injection? Oh, yes. Oh, okay. okay. We'll see who's the first to scream. (laughs) (laughs) Then this past Thursday, Health Minister Christine Elliott got her shot and reminded us that the benefits of vaccination go beyond protecting ourselves and our families. Not only is getting vaccinated against the flu every year an important part of keeping Ontarians healthy, it's a proven way to reduce emergency department visits and wait times to help end hallway health care. The flu shot has been shown to reduce the number of doctor visits and hospital stays. That same day, Libby was joined by family physician Dr. Iris Gorfinkel and pharmacist John Papastergio to talk about the importance of getting the flu shot and whether there's enough supply. We have good supply. Uh, you know, I'm loaded up. So for those seniors, uh, high-risk patients, uh, go to your pharmacy, uh, come get the flu shot. Sorry, for the senior high-risk patients, unfortunately, you have to come to the family doctor. I knew you were going to say that. And I say emphasis, unfortunately, because I wish I could send them over to the shoppers or whatever pharmacy they're going to. Because, frankly, it doesn't belong in the family doctor's office. I'd much prefer to have it there just for easy access, for for getting everyone vaccinated. But high-dose influenza vaccination is available in only one place, and that's the family doctor's office. So come and get it. This is the thing. If you are over 65 or someone at high risk and you want that high-dose flu vaccination, you need to get it in the doctor's office. Now, interesting, last year I remember taking a lot of calls from people who wanted it, but there was not enough supply. This morning we heard the health minister say that there is an extra 200,000 doses this year. However, there are 4.6 million seniors in Ontario. Mm, The math doesn't add up, and that is concerning. Absolutely. We have enough in our office personally, but that said, I still see it as a, a bit of a block for patients to have to come to their family doctor. And it also takes significant time from our schedules to be administering all these vaccinations. A problem from my end is we don't know if the physicians have supply, uh, if it's depleted. We're put in a tough spot sometimes because we do have the seniors coming in. We have high-risk patients. We know we have quadrivalent vaccine, which is the vaccine that's available in the pharmacies right now. And we were talking about it before we went out on air. Pharmacist has to make a decision. Do you take that chance and say, hey, go, go see your doctor? Patient might not go, patient may go and the supplies out, or we vaccinate them, you know, on the spot. And I think many of us are just making the decision to give the, the flu shot that we have to the patients. Best medical advice, take it at the first opportunity. It's better not to wait. You know why? It's going to take two to three weeks just to get your immune system in place 
to be able to fight the flu when exposed. So that's why it's important to get it at the first opportunity. So what kind of a difference does that make if you get the high-dose influenza vaccination? It improves your chances of fighting the flu by a whopping 24%. It's not even that great. It's okay, it's good, but the main thing is to get it at first opportunity. Is there, do you think, some kind of political reason that it's not available in, in pharmacists? I, I have a feeling it's a supply reason more than a political reason. I think if you're going to supply all the pharmacies uh, in Ontario, you're going to need a lot more doses because, I mean, you want to adequately supply the pharmacies. Uh, most of us are providing uh, vaccinations, uh, uh, no appointment necessary. So patients are just walking in and get, getting uh, vaccinated. And uh, to be able to offer that, offer it sustainably, you need supply. And I think that's probably where this is coming from. Even if you look at the vaccine we have, historically we'd have two or three different uh, manufacturers that would provide the vaccine. This year we've got Fluzone, one, one vaccine. Uh, hopefully the supply is deep and when we go through our first kind of shipments we'll be able to get more. I imagine that, that will be the case. But I urge patients get it early. At least now, you know, uh, we have the vaccine uh, and it's there to give. Have you seen a lot of people? Have you administered oh, yeah. to it? Already. Since Thursday... Uh, and between all my stores, we've done over a thousand patients already. Wow. So, yeah, they're coming in. I think we had a little waiting list going uh, because people were coming in last week and the week before uh, asking if we had it. So we got that mad rush at the beginning. And I, I think it'll be like that for the next couple of weeks. At and least. what's interesting is that our office is actually out of the low-dose flu vaccination, the standard vaccination. We have no supply right now. So we ordered it about 10 days ago and are still waiting to get it in. However, we have a lot of the high-dose. Interesting. And, and have people been coming in for the high-dose? Lots. And we also have a walk-in policy when it comes to getting the high-dose influenza vaccination. We're trying to institute a no-barriers policy. What would you like to leave us with, Dr. Gorfinkel? How is the flu spread? Answer, through sneezing and small droplets. But guess what? If I sneeze into my hand and shake your hand, I can give it to you. So I, that's if I have the influenza. So it can live on dry surfaces, which you then touch and can get it. If you're worried about supply, go to your pharmacy. We have it. We'll give it to you. Uh, uh, if you're trying to chase down high dose, don't worry so much about it. I think Dr. Gorfinkel really described the efficacy there. It's an extra 20%. I think let's get people vaccinated and let's get more than half the senior population vaccinated. I think that's my message. Pharmacist John Papastergio and family physician Dr. Iris Gorfinkel talking about the importance of getting your flu shot. You're listening to The Best of Fight Back. I'm Jane Brown. It's a subject many people don't want to deal with, or at least keep putting it off. Estate planning. First, there are the basics. Do you have a will and powers of attorney? Does your family know where everything is if you were to suddenly pass away? There are other matters to sort out as well. That's where Mark Halpern comes in, a certified financial planner and trust and estate practitioner with Wealth Insurance. Mark joined Libby in studio on Thursday and made a sports analogy when it comes to estate planning. I'm a diehard Toronto Maple Leaf fan. I've been suffering like every Torontonian. And, it, you know, we have all these 
uh, teams that have great offense, but you see the ones that win the championship are the ones with the best defense every year. And uh, a lot of people that I speak to are very offense-minded. They're so busy investing or you know, adding to their portfolios or building things and have a whole bunch of stuff, but they haven't really created a defensive plan. And this estate planning is really what it's about. It's, it's about sort of taking a, a snapshot of where you are and making sure that everything is in its right place and is going to go to the right people that you want it to. How do you start or how do you not get stuck? I mean, I would imagine that most Zoomers, you know, reach a certain stage of life and they at least have a will. You'd think so, wouldn't you, Libby? Yeah. First of all, let's take away a bit of a misconception. People think estate planning is only for rich people, right? But it's for it's for anybody who has any assets. They could have a house, they could have an RSP, a RIF, whatever. You can't get a prescription before you know what the diagnostics are, right? So it's really sitting down with a professional to sort of look at the big picture and see things from 30,000 feet up, see what you have, find out what you'd like to do, and then make sure that everything is in its right place. The challenge is is that people have acquired things and they have sort of a a financial architecture they may have started with, and they have sort of financial furniture that fits that. But fast forward, now their financial architecture is so completely different. The question is, does the furniture still fit? Does it have to be updated? does it have to be tossed? Does it have to be replaced? So that's where it really is it really incumbent on people to sit down with a professional to sort of have that dialogue. In addition to a will, hopefully a will that meets your needs, you also, what powers of attorney do you need? Well, first of all, make sure you have a will. You should just know most people don't have a will. Or if they do have a will, I think it's something like 80% of them are not up to date. So it's always good to have that looked at. Powers of attorney are each person needs two powers of attorney. One is for medical care. So if they become incapacitated, someone can make decisions on their their health and the other is on financial like where is everything and who's allowed to do their banking and do their paying their bills and you know taking care of their mortgages and things like that so if you don't have somebody uh, who's been position who you like to have then what happens is you just allow the government to get involved and i think that's the last thing people want to do you also cite other things titles for probates beneficiary updates Life insurance, uh, let's get into those things. Okay, so we have something in Canada called probate taxes. It's actually an estate administrative tax. And if you have any property, including a principal residence or any bank accounts or any investment properties or a company, shares in a company, and you have that only in one person's name and that person dies, the government in Ontario wants 1.5% of the market value of those assets. So for each million dollars, it's a $15,000 estate administrative tax. Notice the acronym. EAT, estate administrative <laughs> tax. So there's ways to avoid, avert this with some planning, either by having a primary will and a secondary will, or a. What's a, wait? A primary will and a secondary will? What's that? Well, there's some legislation that went up to the Supreme Court of Canada to uh, be able to avoid this probate taxes. Let's say somebody has a company. They have a holding company or an operating company or they own shares in in some real estate, investment real estate. If they have their personal property in one will right? That would not be subject to probate. And their other will would be subject to probate. Well, probate, there is a way of planning with a, you know, the proper lawyer to be able to set it up that you could avoid this probate tax. It comes down to giving this attention. That's the most important thing that with this conversation in particular, any of your listeners who are, are uh, either single or 
or widows or divorcees um, are really people who have to give a lot of attention to this. Why? Because if you have a spouse, you know, if somebody dies, everything rolls over tax-free to the surviving spouse. But if you're single or widowed or divorced and you have, uh, you know, an incident happen, it's there's considered a deemed disposition at that moment. And that's when the government has their hand out and they want some money. And that could range anywhere between 27 and 54% of your assets. Oof. Yeah, that that's called one way of planning. It's called the old head in the sand <laughs> ostrich. Right? But there are ways to do some planning where you could actually preserve your estate so that instead of the CRA getting all your money, your family still gets it or, or charities that you're passionate about. So I think it's really incumbent on people to give this some attention. That was certified financial planner and trust and estate practitioner with wealth insurance, Mark Halpern. I'm Jane Brown, and this is Zoomer Radio's Best of Fight Back. There were some sobering numbers released this past week on a tough topic we cover regularly the shortage of long-term care, and the growing wait lists, let alone the challenges faced inside these facilities. Ontario's Financial Accountability Officer reported that even if the Ford government makes good on a promise to build 15,000 new beds in the next five years, the wait list will keep growing because of the aging population. That wait list is 37,000 now. It's projected to grow to 40,000 next year and get back down to 37,000 once all those new beds are available. But the FAO says that within a decade, an extra 55,000 beds will be needed just to keep those waiting lists around current levels. Joining Libby Snymer to talk about this important issue, Lisa Levin of Advantage Ontario, Long-Term Care Minister Dr. Marilee Fullerton, and Miranda Ferrier, President and Founder of the Ontario Personal Support Workers Association. We've seen an increase in demand for long-term care beds going back over a decade now. Um, the demand is there. It's always going to be there. Um, we're finding we have more acute cases that need to go into long-term care. Home care in itself is a completely different show. Let me <laughs> to get into. Um, but from an association standpoint, our biggest concern right now is there is a mass deficit of personal support workers in the province of Ontario. So we're talking about more beds, but if we don't have the staff to staff them, how are we going to even make this happen? Well, absolutely. Uh, even in this numbers, doesn't take into account the shortage of workers. No. No, not at all. And the deficit keeps increasing and increasing. And unfortunately, to this point, we've been talking with the Ministry of Health and the Ministry of Long-Term Care, but we've received no comment on the ministry's plan to staff these beds. Anything very quickly you'd like to leave us with? Well, um, anything is, remember that personal support workers do their best and have faith in the system, and hopefully everything will turn out best in the end. And now I'd like to welcome Dr. Marilee Fullerton, Ontario Minister of Long-Term Care. We had this report from the Financial Accountability Office that is very tough. Did the numbers in there surprise you? Uh, no. In fact, uh, I thank the uh, Ontario's Financial Accountability Officer for the report because it, it's really shining the light on the reality that we're facing. Um, and people across the province are, are waiting for long-term care. And if you look at the previous government track record, it's abysmal. Uh, and it's, these are real people that are waiting. So our government has shown its commitment, demonstrated its commitment with a standalone ministry uh, for long-term care. And I've been a family doctor for 28 years and actually studied this very issue. So I take this uh, to heart 
and our government is committed to this, to addressing the long-term care issues in our system. And, you know, that's part of the hallway health care as well. But we're, we're looking at $1.75 billion to create 15,000 new long-term care beds and redeveloping another 15,000 in five years. And so this is a big step forward and adding $72 million more uh, um, this year compared to last year for long-term care funding. So uh, there are rumours out there that are inaccurate in terms of of cuts. Uh, There are no cuts to long-term care. We have increased the funding. And, uh, in fact, the FAO said that it's the largest new health sector spending commitment in the 2019 budget, and it was a crucial part of the government's priority to end hallway health care. And the 15,000 new beds represent the first meaningful increase to the supply of long-term care beds in over 15 years. Okay, so, yeah, it, w- yes, we see that. But, but according to this report, all of that will just leave us treading water. So, so how did you come out with or come up with that particular number if, if the best it does after all of that spending and all of that building is we're still left with 37,000 people waiting? Well, that, that, that's a very good point. And the reality is that 15,000 gets us started and it's a commitment made by the government to address uh, the very complex residents in long-term care. And we have technology that we didn't have a number of years ago to allow people to stay in their own homes longer. Um, There's remote monitoring now being done for people um, who would otherwise be in long-term care. And there are excellent programs from, uh, you know, where I live in Ottawa, um, in Renfrew County, there's a community paramedic program. So these are innovative programs that are helping people stay in their own homes. And we're recognizing that surge in demographics and the shift with growing numbers of elderly. And that's why we're looking at an overall approach to uh, dealing with that, not only bricks and mortar beds, but also keeping people where many and most of the time they want to be in their own homes. I'd like to now bring in Lisa Levin, who is the Chief Executive Officer of Advantage Ontario. So what is your reaction to that FAO report? I wasn't surprised by the report. These numbers are no great mystery. We know the demographics. We know that there's more seniors that are going to be, uh, you know, there'll be more seniors in Ontario. We know what the government has said it's going to do. And we know wait lists are going to take some time before they can settle down because we have to get the buildings built. And we also need to have other options out there other than long-term care to support our aging population. Lisa Levin of Advantage Ontario, Long-Term Care Minister Dr. Marilee Fullerton, and Miranda Ferrier, President and Founder, Ontario Personal Support Workers Association. You're listening to the best of Fight Back. I'm Jane Brown. It may have been a first... Halloween was postponed in Montreal and a number of other Quebec municipalities this past week because of scary weather. It was rainy and windy here in the GTA as well, but Halloween went as it always does on October 31st. So was it sensible and reasonable for Montreal's mayor to postpone Halloween by one day, or is it another example of coddling our youngest generation? We had some fun with the topic when beloved comedian Ron James joined Libby. You know, when I was growing up, you never miss Halloween. It, it, it was the day that you looked forward to. And uh, 
I, uh, I remember being caught in a blizzard when we were, uh, or the blizzard was coming just before we went out on Halloween night. And uh, that's the days where you had to put the snowsuit uh, over your costume, right? Right. And so you're debating with your mom, but mom, Batman never wore a snowsuit. And your mom, with all rational, of course, uh, well, uh, tonight he does. Well, look, uh, I, I, she said, pretend he's gone skidooing. I said, Batman doesn't ride a skidoo. Well, tonight he's going to be riding a skidoo. Get out the door. So she just did. Or else your dad drove you around in a car, and from house to house he usually got a pint. And, uh, <laughs> oh, dear. So, so I don't know. Uh, I don't know what's worse. Uh, uh, driving around uh, uh, trying to get your candy in, uh, in, uh, in seven centimeters of rain and 80-kilometer winds or, or driving with a dad with a buzz on behind the wheel around a small town while he's wearing a nylon stocking over his head and you and your sister are sitting in the front seat. So... Different generations, different times. Well, is it like, you know, they used to be, why, when I was your age, I used to walk 10 miles to school. Is it like that? <laughs> well, uh, but I suppose so. It, 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 isn't that what Zoomers are all about? And you know how tough it was back then? I, I think the sensitivities of, uh, you know, have gotten the best of us. That's for damn sure. But uh, I know that when I was a homeowner, uh, you had to be... You know, you had to be aware of who was coming to your front door. I mean, I remember I had a hooker flanked by Yoda and a pirate on the front porch, and they were 30 years old. <laughs> you know, if you're going to be showing up at my front door collecting candy as Blackbeard the pirate sporting your own beard, I'm calling the cops. <laughs> I, I remember at the end of the night, we used to get some very large teenagers oh, and a huge <laughs> number of them <laughs> right at the people. door. They're getting out of cabs. They're getting out of Ubers. They go to your front door now. And, of course, another thing that changed with Halloween from when we were little, I mean, all you had was a couple of Roman candles and maybe the burning schoolhouse, right? Yeah, as far as fireworks were concerned. And, and the burning schoolhouse was, uh, you know, perhaps the worst Halloween firework ever. You might as well set a just a bag of paper on fire and watch it burn. But today, I mean, uh, remember when I lived in Los Angeles, that's when I noticed that uh, everything had gone clearly off the charts instead of, you know, in terms of, over decorating your front porch like i said you know dad lighting a schoolhouse in the backyard um was what we had well now i was in the los angeles and my kids were going up to the front door uh you know the guy's front yard was was decorated like a vision of the pit hieronymus bosch couldn't conjure during a cholera hallucination like i said you know yeah, when we'd be blizzard. out in a blizzard i mean we'd be trick-or-treating in blizzards that a yeti wouldn't wander you know she couldn't see it <laughs> especially when dad would take us around it I couldn't see the snow in front of my face, and I was in the car. Uh, my hand, it was ridiculous. And, but you still went out, right? It was, uh, it's, a, it's a high holy day for children, quite <laughs> frankly, right? And to come home with, a, you know, a, a couple of caramel apples and uh, a mitt full of candy kissies and uh, uh, Scotty's potato chips, um, you were living large for quite some time. Ron, thanks so much for this. What, what do you want to leave us with on this? Uh, just take it easy. Uh, that's what I say. I mean, uh, you don't really have to overdo it, right? Uh, and, and ultimately, think of the kids. You know, it's one thing to give out candy apples. It's something else entirely to be sliding out the front door on a dolly track, riding the throne of blood as a headless corpse, right? Okay? If you're a four-year-old Pocahontas walking up the steps to a house decked out like a 3D dungeon of death, it's not fun. It's traumatizing. A couple of pumpkins, tombstone on the lawn, and candy apples, that's Halloween. Front lawn bedecked in more guts and gore than a feeding frenzy on The Walking Dead? Not so much.
the one and only proud Canadian comedian, Ron James. I'm Jane Brown. This is Zoomer Radio's Best of Fight Back. Fight Back with Libby Snymer brings you comprehensive coverage of the news stories that interest you and your reaction to them on the phones. We've gone through the audio. Here are some of the best calls of the week. Carol in Mississauga called in with some timely advice. Everyone should get their flu shot, no matter how difficult it is. I got mine two weeks ago. I'm a high risk. I managed to get the, the high dose. It only takes like seconds. The nurse has it prepared. It only takes seconds to go in and get it. Then I sit there for half an hour and they see if anything's going to happen while I sit and read a magazine. I mean, if you don't get it, you're putting everybody else at risk. If you do get it, you might still get the flu, but you're not going to get it as badly. And now, Fightback's Knockout Call of the Week. There were a lot of great calls this week, but the winner of the Fight Back Knockout Call of the Week comes from Rudy in Toronto with a fond childhood memory of Halloween in this city. Well, I just wanted to say uh, how it was for me on my first Halloween uh, when I was about four or five years old. This would have been the early 50s (laughs) with my dad uh, walking along the the Spadina Dundas area, uh, trick-or-treating, and and, uh, I was carrying one of those old uh, uh, brown paper shopping bags, you know, with the, with the uh, like, uh, made all the paper, even the handles were paper, and as, as it, was very, it was a very rainy night, and as we were crossing uh, the road, the, the, the shopping bag ripped, and all my goodies uh, fell into the, the gutter, and I stood there crying, uh, standing there with my, my dad, he didn't know what to do, and then, then three uh, uh, older girls, maybe teenagers, came by, and they, they saw what happened, but they, they handed their bags to me. Oh, me all their oh man. It was so well, nice of them, and I was so happy. <laughs> that does it for this week's Best of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. If you'd like to qualify for the Fight Back Knockout Call of the Week, phone us noon to one weekdays at 416-360-0740 on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Or if you have a comment, email us at fightback at zoomer.ca and follow us on Twitter at Fightback Libby. I'm Jane Brown. Make sure to join us again next weekend for a roundup of the best of Fightback. The best of Fightback is produced by Jane Brown, Justin Eacock, and Zeev Hadi, with technical production by Kelly Robotham. Executive producer, Moses Neimer. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.